Amen. Everyone said? Amen. 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 The Bible tells us to uh, enter his gates with thanksgiving and come into his courts with praise. The Bible declares, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And church, we have learned from experience, we praise God during the good days, and we also praise God during the difficult days. And uh, speaking for our church family, this has been a very difficult week. It's been a heart-wrenching, heart-breaking week. Uh, Two of the most precious people that I know in the world, uh, two faithful servants of God who have been a member of this church for 48 years Uh, Lives were taken tragically and horrifically and suddenly this past Tuesday. And uh, we've we've been in grief. Uh, Our church has been grieving. Uh, The the saying around the staff is we just can't wrap our minds around this. And and I have no explanation other than the fact to tell you that God is in control. And we worship God in the good days and we worship God even in the bad days. Uh, Wednesday night we had a special service and if you were a part of that service you know that uh, we committed the entire service to praying for the Grubb family and also for our church family. Uh, I told the church Wednesday night we need God's help and we need God's healing and I think God has already began to do that for us as a church family. Uh, The Grubb's funeral, Jimmy Joe and Norma's funeral will be here at our church on Tuesday at 2 o'clock, and uh, I would encourage you to be here or at least be praying for that service uh, as it happens on Tuesday. I already, I miss my friends. I told the first service I I miss seeing uh, Jimmy, Joe, and Norma come in and sit where they always sit first service. Uh, I I miss uh, uh, gigging Jimmy, Joe, and, and saying something to him about the debacle of the Arkansas Razorbacks yesterday. Uh, he was a tremendous Arkansas Razorback fan, and, and I can even see his face right now. If I would have said something to him about that this morning, he would have done, <laughs> that's what he, <laughs> that was his disgusted Arkansas Razorback face that he would make. Um, love those guys, and, and I'm going to miss them very much. So be praying for our staff. Ray and I will be doing that funeral. Pray for us. Two weeks ago, God gave me this passage and this, this, the beginnings of this message, And even of the events this past week, God has not changed our direction for this morning. So today I'm going to read two passages, the first being Matthew chapter 7. So turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to have um, this scripture on the uh, board behind me here in a moment. And we're going to talk about what were you thinking, but more importantly, we're going to talk about building our lives, our families, and yes, even this church family on the solid rock which is Jesus Christ. The rock is Christ and his teachings. And if we build our life on the rock, which is the teachings of Jesus, we will be able to withstand any storm that the world blows our way. Here's what Jesus said, this interesting little passage at the end of his Sermon on the Mount, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice... And puts them into practice. I repeat, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the 
The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine said, if you hear my words and you do not put them into practice, you're like a foolish man who built his house on the... And the rain came down and the streams rose up and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would learn the secret of having a great family. And that is to build our family on the rock, which is the teachings of Jesus Christ. Lord, as I try to speak on the outside, I pray that you would definitely speak to our hearts. And please, Lord, change our lives. For We ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. I think I've told you where I was born and raised, haven't I? Do you know that I'm from Midland, Texas? Oh, man. About this time of year, late September, early October, I just, my heart, there's a yearning in my heart to go home. And I just want to go back to West Texas. I don't know why it's this time of year, uh, but it always happens. And so, because I can't go back, I want to talk about Midland, all right? Midland's a great, great place, great place to be raised. Uh, we lived out in the country in Midland, several miles from, from the town, but yet it was a great city to be raised in. One Sunday night, and I've told you this story on a Wednesday night, I know, but on one Sunday night, we were driving home from church. And again, we lived several miles from the church, and it took us a little while to drive. And uh, we had gone north, and we had turned west, and we were about to turn north again. And here we were, we're in the, uh, the old blue Chevy Impala. What year was that, Dad? 63? 63 Chevy Impala. Don't you wish we still had that today? Two-door Chevy. Any, anyway, let me, get, let me get off that. Dad was driving, mom was sitting on the, the, the passenger side front seat, my sister was right behind mama, and I was right behind daddy in the back seat. Why? I mean, that's the way you're supposed to ride if you're a family, right? <laughs> and so here we are, we're, we're actually going west, and so my, my sister is on the, the north side of the vehicle looking out at the sky. And again, here's the cool thing about Midland, there are no trees to block your view, no mountains to obscure the, the sky. It's, it's a big sky country. You can see literally forever out there. And so it's, it's, it's kind of starting to get dusk. And my sister is looking out her, her window. And here's what comes out of her mouth. Again, this is the late 60s. We're just little kids. My sister says, oh, it looks like a tornado. Now, I relished arguing with my sister. I mean, it, it is a practice that, that we, we did 24 hours a day, and I could not resist this opportunity when that came out of her mouth. I told her she did not know what she was talking about, that she was a dumb head. <laughs> and, of course, the fight broke out in the back seat. Here's the deal, though. She was right. She was right that time. We make it home, uh, and we assume our Sunday night position, that is, Dad sits in his recliner after he had turned on the TV. It was a, you had to turn the TV on back then and change the channel on the TV. We only had two stations, and so he was watching whatever was on 
the program that night. My sister and I were in the, the living room floor playing, and Mama was in the kitchen cooking supper for us. And that's all just one big room, the, the living room and then the kitchen, and there she was. You know what she was cooking for us? Sunday night meal, fried bologna sandwiches. That makes me want to do a quick time out. I want to see the hands of everyone in this room who has ever consumed a fried bologna sandwich. Raise your hand. Keep it up for a second because I'll, okay. You know, in, in the first service, everybody raised their hand. Yeah. Not, not as many this service. I, I don't know. Fried bologna sandwiches are just awesome. Are they not? I mean, I had this conversation with Jason first service. I, I enjoyed watching Mama make them because it, it, I don't know how it does it or why it does it, but it just boils up right there in the pan. The middle of the bologna just boils up, comes to a head. It just pops. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And they're awesome. They're great. Can I tell you something? The entire time, 30, 30, how many years have we been married now? How many great years has it been? Over 30. I have not had a bologna sandwich, nor have I had a fried bologna sandwich my entire married life. And, and I, I think the reason why her explanation is, it's not meat. It's not meat. You know what? Listen, I don't care what it is. It's good, isn't it? So anyway, I, I tell you all that. Mama made me as a fried bologna sandwich. We, we were sitting down. I had just taken the first bite out of my fried bologna sandwich, and the weatherman came on. He said, weather alert, weather alert. A funnel cloud has been spotted eight miles north of Midland. We lived eight miles north of Midland. And Gary, right at that very moment, you heard it coming. It sounded like a freight train. And it literally came right over the top of our house. The houses across the street from us, their roofs were taken off. All it did to our place was it took our swing set that was in the backyard, rolled it up into a ball, and set it in the front yard. Now, whenever we heard the rumbling, Mama grabbed my sister and I, and we headed for their back bedroom, and all of us crawled under the bed, Mama, my sister, Sharita, myself, and our dog, Pootie. That's another story, but Pootie was under the bed too. We were screaming, terrified, yelling for daddy to get under the bed, but my daddy hadn't finished eating his fried bologna sandwich yet. And so dad did come into the room and he sat on the edge of the bed while the tornado went over the top of our house. I, I remember this like it was yesterday. This was in the late 60s, probably 67, 68. And I remember reaching out from under the bed, and I had a hold of one of my dad's legs, and my sister had a hold of his other leg. I guess the thought was if the tornado took us away, we would be holding on to daddy. <laughs> I don't think meteorologists ever rated that tornado. They do have a rating scale. It goes from an F0 to an F6. An F0 tornado has wind speeds from 40 to 70 miles per hour, whereas an F6 tornado has wind speeds of over 319 miles an hour. 
the scale says that an F5 tornado is an incredible tornado. It says strong framed houses are lifted off foundations and carried considerable distances away to disintegrate. Automobile-sized missiles fly through the air in excess of 100 meters. Trees can be debarked in an F5 tornado. And steel-reinforced concrete structures can be badly damaged. Also, an F5 tornado can peel the pavement from off the road. Simply put, simply put, if a house has a faulty foundation, it cannot withstand the winds of an F3 tornado. And as I observe the landscape of many families today, I see a similar problem. Either they have no foundation... Or they are built on a faulty foundation. And listen to me, I'm not talking about families that are out in the world. I'm talking about families in the church. So today and next Sunday, I want to talk about what happens when we build our lives and our families on the solid rock, which is Jesus Christ. And can I tell you something? He is a firm foundation. My motivation for preaching this is really twofold. First of all, I really covet this for our homes. I covet this for my family. I covet this for your family. I covet this for our church family. And secondly, it's partly out of a deep burden that I have as I see so many families and so many marriages that are not rock solid, but instead... They are on the rocks. Today the condition of many marriages and families is turbulent. And it is storm tossed. And so many people desperately want their families to work. So many people desperately want their marriages to be good. But all they hear are the crashing sounds going on around them as other homes collapse just like this house in Jesus' story on the Sermon on the Mount. Now, our conviction is that God created marriage. Do you believe that, church? Raise your hand and say amen if you believe God created marriage, all right? I think we all believe that. So if God created marriage, did he create something that was flawed in its design? Did he make something that was destined to break no matter how bad we want it to work? Well, the obvious biblical answer to that is no. In fact, I can say with confidence that the reason many marriages and many families are not rock solid but instead are on the rocks is because we have been ignoring the teachings that are found in God's word. After all, that's what Jesus just said. He said, storms are coming. Rain will fall. Floods will occur. The wind is going to blow. And your house is either going to stand or fall based on the foundation that it's built on. So I say it like this. Life only works... When it's done God's way. 
Life only works when it's done God's way. Families only work when they're done God's way. Marriages only work when they're done God's way. Why? The rain is going to come and the winds are going to blow on every house and on every home. The the promise for those whose lives and families are built upon the truth of God's word is stability. God is going to give us stability during life's challenges and even in life's changes. God's word is the solid foundation upon which we can build something that lasts. God's word is rock solid. Here's the question though. Is God's word enough? Is God's word really enough? Are the teachings of Jesus sufficient? Do they really work? Well, I can can put it like this. Let me tell you. If they don't work at home, they ain't going to work anywhere. If this doesn't work in your home, how is it going to work anywhere else? Here's what I believe, church. I believe that God's word and God's way works wherever you are in life. Can I get an amen for that? God's word and God's way works no matter where you are in life. I hate it when I lose service on my cell phone, don't you? I mean, you're you're driving down the road talking to somebody and you're in this long conversation. You've talked for like five minutes and you realize the call's been dropped. (laughs) And, And this person hasn't even heard this dissertation that I've been giving the last five minutes. I hate it when that happens. But you know what? Your faith cannot work that way. Your faith cannot operate that way. Your faith ought to work wherever you are in life. Your faith ought to be working in the boardroom just like it's working in the bedroom. If God's word doesn't work for our homes, then it's not going to work anywhere. If it's not relevant for our families, it is not relevant anywhere. But the fact is, That when we hear the word of the Lord and put it into practice, our lives and our families and our homes will be rock solid. No rains, no rising water, no winds can shatter the kind of life that is built on the solid rock of God's truth. Now, turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. I'd like to camp out in Colossians chapter 3 this Sunday and next Sunday, and just see what God's Word says about living in a world that is as rotten as it is to the core, and raising families in the world in which we live in, and having this Christian influence in our home. So let me read, let me just dig in right here, Colossians 3, I'm going to read verses 1 through 4, and I'll only talk about verses 1 and 2. Here's what Paul says, since then... You have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And verse number two, set your minds on things above. So do you see that? Set your heart on things above. Verse one, verse two, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So, simply put, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you have been born again, 
You are a brand new person in Jesus Christ. That is done. It is finished. It has been accomplished through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and through your faith believing in Jesus Christ. You believed and you received when you were saved. The old life is now gone. Behold, you are brand new in Jesus. That's what verses 3 and 4 are talking about. But you know what? I I have the feeling that that sometimes we're not completely convinced of that. Oh, we may know it and we may be reading it, but but we're not convinced. Why? (laughs) Well, maybe it's because we're not fleshing it out. Hmm? Because of what has happened to us in Jesus Christ, we ought to be living differently and we ought to be thinking differently. Do you see it? It's right here in our passage. Verse 1 We are to set our hearts. Verse 2, we are to set our minds. And again, I I am convinced that as God stands over our lives and our families, he sees some of the dumb things that we do. And God has got to be up there looking down on us and, and saying, what in the world were you thinking? Have you ever heard that question asked? What in the world were you thinking? I was asked that question Many times as a teenager growing up, uh, making some pretty poor decisions from time to time, my parents would ask me, William, what in the world were you thinking? It was like the Saturday night, some friends and I decided we were going to repel off of a building in Lubbock, Texas. You know what repelling is. You get a rope, attach it to something, have a harness on, and you, you go down, you know. There are no mountains in, in Lubbock. And, and we had already been to, the, been to the one overpass that was outside of town, and we did some free-falling from that overpass. It wasn't very far, <laughs> like 18 feet. And we were in for a new challenge, so there was this 40-foot building that we decided to climb up on because there was a way on the top of it. And so we climbed up there that night thinking we were going to have a great time repelling off the side. Zane, you're not listening to this, are you? Please, don't. <laughs> Don't listen to anything I'm saying right now. We decided we were going to repel down. Great idea. We had the ropes. We had the harnesses. The problem is it was just about dark when we climbed up there. And by chance, some neighbors across the parking lot saw us climbing up there. Now, they didn't know that we were about to have fun. (laughs) They thought we were going to rob that store. And so they called the police. About the time we had the rope tied off and the harnesses on and we're about to have the time of our life, three patrol cars and a SWAT unit pulled into that parking lot. They had the high beam on us. And when I looked off the ledge of that building, there were cops everywhere and they had weapons pointed at us. After a brief questioning and explanation on our part, they said, boys, get down now. Well, one of the guys with us who wasn't very smart just grabbed that rope and slid down (laughs) with no gloves on, 40 feet straight down. We climbed down. (laughs) I I don't know how it happened. I, I absolutely have no idea how it happened. But by the time I got home, my parents had already received a phone call. And they said to me, William, what in the world were you thinking? You know what? There there are families today, many of them in the church, 
that are in more trouble than I was that night when I got home from my wall climbing debacle. Husbands do dumb things. What in the world were you thinking? Wives do dumb things. What in the world were you thinking? Teenagers <laughs> do dumb things. What in the world were you thinking? Parents do dumb things. What in the world were you thinking? You know what? I can turn that around a little bit and change a word in that question. What in the world are you thinking? I want to challenge you, church, today to stop worrying about what others think and how the world thinks and start considering what does God think? I mean, what does God think? I ask the question, what in the world were you thinking? And the problem with most homes who are in trouble is that they are thinking way too much like the world or about the world. Or their thinking is from the world. Guys, would you listen to me? The problems that you have in your home are from the world. That's where our problems come from. The world. But the answers don't come from the world. The answer comes from God and from His Word. Now, let's go to Colossians chapter 3. I'm just going to talk about these first two verses because they give us life that we should be living in Jesus. This is a snapshot of the person who has truly been born again and is a follower of we discover about their life. Well, the first thing that it talks about is our heart's affection. He's going to talk about our hearts and then he's going to talk about our heads. The first is our heart's affection. Look at verse number one. In fact, Sherry's going to put it up there and just leave it up there as we talk about this verse. He says, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now notice he begins with the word since. There are some translations that use the word if, but it's translated incorrectly with the word if. This is not a question. It is an exclamation mark. It's not a hypothetical thing. This is an accomplished fact. Since this has happened. What has happened? Since you have been raised with Jesus Christ. Now, as we exegete this one verse, let me tell you, here's the meat of it. Here is the heart of this verse. Since you have been raised with Jesus Christ. And that is exactly what has happened to us if we have been born again. Those who are believers in Jesus Christ... We have been raised with Christ. Let me go back. What did Jesus do for us? He died on the cross. His blood was shed for the remission of our sins. He died for you. He was buried in a tomb. But praise God, he didn't stay in that tomb. Through the power of God, he was resurrected to life. And if we are in Christ, the same thing has happened to us. That's what baptism signifies. It signifies the fact that you have died to your old life. You have been buried. That old life is buried just like Jesus was buried in the tomb. And just like Jesus came out of the tomb, 
Your new life has come out of that watery grave, free from sin, forgiven from sin, a new name written in glory. So since we have been raised with Christ, and then here's the point, set your hearts on things above. Notice where that begins. It begins with our heart. You know what God does when he saves us? He gives us a new heart. Before we had this old heart of stone, God turns it into a heart of flesh. He gives us the heart of God. And what does he do? He tells us to set our hearts on things above. We are to set our heart. One translation says, set your affection. The word is a very strong word. It has the idea of a strong pursuit. It's like an Olympic athlete who's striving for a gold medal. So you set your heart, you set your affections on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So close your eyes just for a second. Don't keep them closed long because you might drift off. But close your eyes and imagine the throne in heaven. There is Jesus Christ seated at the right hand of God. Now open your eyes up and look at me. That is a place of authority. Jesus is seated at a place of power. All things have been given unto him. But guess what? I am in Jesus Christ. I belong to Jesus Christ. So everything that Jesus has is now mine. I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. That's where our life is. And that is where our attention needs to be fixed. Set your heart on things above. Set your hearts on Jesus Christ, who is seated at the right hand of God. So here's what you need to remember right here. Wherever you are in this world, you are in Christ. If your heart belongs to Jesus, you are in Christ. So when you're at home, guess what? You're in Christ. When you're at work or school, you are in Christ. When you're on a business trip, you are in Christ. When you're on a date, you are in Christ. That is the reality for the child of God. Wherever you are and whatever you're doing during that day, you are in Christ. And what are you to be doing? Setting your heart, setting your affection on Jesus, on things above. This is a daily seeking. In fact, the words set your hearts literally mean keep on setting your heart. Keep on seeking. It's a perpetual quest in our lives. Here we we daily hold fast to Jesus Christ. He is the very center of our life, the center of our heart. Our joy comes from him. Our hearts, look at me, listen to me, our hearts belong to him. He is the affection of our hearts. Just like I told the first service. There's one person I love more than any other person on this earth, and it's Miss Angie. I love Miss Angie. She's, she's my wife. She's the most special person to me of, of anybody in the world. I mean, I love you guys. You're right here, but she's up here. Okay? Follow me. 
I love my kids. I've got three wonderful children and a pretty good son-in-law. And I love my kids. Russ, there's nothing I wouldn't do for my kids. I love my kids. I love them. But I don't love them as much as Angie. And can I tell you something? Every day I tell her I love her. I love you. Donna, every day I tell her I love her. No matter where I am, I call her, I tell her I love her. Get, just this is the point. I'm over here talking to you now. Guys, if you're married, you need to tell your wife you love her every day too. Amen. You say, well, some days I don't feel like it. It doesn't matter if you feel like it or not. You, this, this is a completely different sermon, maybe one that we just have as men. But you know what? Even if you don't feel it, you need to be saying it. Because if you say it long enough, you may convince yourself that you really do. Anyway, <laughs> chew on that for a little bit. But as much as I love Miss Angie, she doesn't even compare to how much I love Jesus. And she knows that. Now, I don't have a perfect home, but I've got a pretty good home. I really do. My, my home is fantastic. I've got a great home, great family. My kids have made great decisions. You know why? It's because I don't love Angie above Jesus. If you love your spouse more than you love Jesus, guess what? Your home's going to be a mess. I love Jesus more than I love my kids. Are you with me? Because if you put your kids first in your family, even above Jesus, you're building your family on a faulty foundation, and it's going to crumble and fall. Amen. So listen to what I'm saying. Our heart's affection has to be to Jesus Christ. You set your heart on Jesus. That is the foundation. Then he goes on and talks about our heads, our minds' attention. Verse number 2. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So set your mind on things above. This is a different word than what he spoke in verse 1 when he said set your hearts. It means to understand, to think about. One translation says be intent on. You see the first imperative in verse 1 speaks to the affection of our hearts where the second imperative speaks to the attention of the mind. In other words, you think about what your heart is longing for. Turn around and say it this way. Wherever your heart is, is where your mind is going. Whatever has captured your heart is what you will be thinking about. And that's why he's saying you need to be thinking about Christ and God things. And you need to be thinking about the Word of God. You need to think about the things that are above, not on earthly things. Now, what does that mean? Well, a variation for this word earthly is also found down in verse number 5. And there it refers to sins that are associated with our earthly sinful nature as human beings. Look at verse 5. Paul says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. 
Now, church, this is where we're going to pick up next week. And we'll talk about how to overcome these sinful habits that destroy our marriages and our families. But understand, it all begins with your thinking. It all begins with your mind's attention. It all starts with whatever your heart's affection is. And if your heart's affection is with the things of this world... That's where your mind is going to go. And if your heart is there and your mind is there, guess what? You're going to go there too. And can I look at me? Listen to me very quick. I'm about to shut up, but you need to hear this. The things of this world will destroy you. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the mind, the pride of life. This world will destroy you. This world will destroy your family. This world will tumble your house down. And all the while, our adversary will be applauding and laughing at your demise. So get your mind out of the gutter. Take your heart away from the world. Give your heart to the one who is above, Jesus. Think about God things. Think about good things. And I can tell you this. If God has my heart and my mind, I'm only going to be thinking good thoughts for my wife, my kids, and my home. You know what? I'm going to protect them against the world and the things that are in the world. So it starts with your heart, and then it goes to your head. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a prayer time. We call it an invitation, and I'm going to invite you to come and pray. If you're here today and you've never given your heart to Jesus, today's a good day to do that. You just come and and we say at Kavanaugh, it's really as simple as A, B, C. A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus can save you. And C, confess Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. If you've never done that, we want to help you to do that. Second part of this prayer time is I encourage you to come and pray for your families. I think it's a great day for families to come and pray together. So husbands and wives, teenagers, come together and pray for your family today. You need to pray for your home. Husbands, pray for your wives. Wives, pray for your husbands. Y'all pray for your marriage. Give your heart to Jesus and start thinking right. Pray for your kids. Can I tell you something? If you have kids or grandkids, you desperately need to be at the altar today praying for them. Our kids are facing things we, we never faced, Gary. <laughs> and I know where you were raised. <laughs> Pine Bluff, man. You saw everything. No, our kids are seeing things today we didn't see. And we need to be praying for them. And it doesn't matter if they've gone off to college. If they've gone to college, you really need to be praying for your kids. Before he left a few weeks ago, I sat down with him and I said, Son, you're about to see some things you've never seen in your life. And, and I know you've seen a lot of stuff. You went to a public school. You've seen a lot of things. But you're about to see some stuff you never have seen. And you have. (laughs) He has. If you've got kids, you need to pray for them. So come and pray for your family. You know what? We're a family. Aren't we? We're the family of faith. We need to pray that this church stay on the solid rock. 
which is Jesus. We need to pray for God's help and God's healing during this church tragedy that we are going through right now. So would you come?